um, you know, the whole kind of idea of my speech is how to spread uh, communication when going through um, uh, these anti-government protests mm-hmm. and how not just the Lebanese people, but other countries in the world can uh, make a difference, which I mentioned later in my speech. So welcome back to episode 11 of The Nest. Today we are joined by Anthony McClough. For those of you who don't know Anthony, Anthony immigrated from Lebanon at age 12, was it? Yeah, I was 12. And Anthony is going to be a speaker at this week's TEDx Doral event. So Anthony, go ahead and say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? So can you kind of give everyone kind of like uh, an overall topic of what your what your talk is going to be about? Sure. So um, like you mentioned, uh, I immigrated from Lebanon at the age of 12 and uh, Throughout mid-2019, uh, the anti-government protests have intensified. Right. And uh, I found it as a perfect opportunity to join TED Club mm-hmm. and to speak about the issue and how people can kind of make a difference. Right. And then can you kind of um, expand on what exactly these anti-government protests were? Were they spur for one specific issue that was going on in the country? Or was it like a wide variety of issues that um, the overall public were just unhappy about? Yeah, so um, corruption has always been in Lebanon's identity, unfortunately. But uh, like in the past, people have like tried to protest, but they've given up quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and a sudden change of events happened, and people were actually like kind of fed up at that right. point. And they were like, "No, we actually want change." And that's where the protests intensified. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the protests became such a big, like popular um, movement in Lebanon, mm-hmm. uh, some of the uh, government officials started, you know, hitting some of the protesters right. because of like, you know, we're pretty wild over there. Yeah. So, you know, we throw things at them and things like that. And um, during the protests in Lebanon, you know, the government, you know, passed over so many acts that were really considered cruel and mm-hmm. truly unfair to the people. And that just gave the people more of a reason to um, protest against yeah, the government and to create change. Yeah. And I, I've heard your speech. And I know one of the the big um, one of the big things you talk about is the WhatsApp band. Yeah. So if you could kind of explain to everyone what it is exactly the WhatsApp band was and how it affects uh, the Lebanese people. Yeah, of course. So uh, after the protests had begun for a while, the pro- the government passed a uh, tax law, which put a tax on like basic goods like tobacco and patrol, mm-hmm. and then they put a tax on WhatsApp calls. So every time. You would try to call someone, whether it was in Lebanon or you're calling someone from out of Lebanon, um, you know, you would get taxed maybe $2. Right. And, I mean, obviously that doesn't sound like a fair deal. Yeah. WhatsApp is a, free, is a free app. You know, you can use it. And, um, you know, the people were, that's, like I mentioned earlier, given more of a reason to protest. And, um, like, they really got enraged at that point. And uh, through, like, continuous protests, they, uh, the government repealed the act. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And and are the Lebanese people in general very dependent on on WhatsApp? Yeah, I mean uh, WhatsApp and Viber are really like one of the two main platforms yeah. in which they talk about uh, talk to their like loved ones and their family. Uh, so yeah, the government passing that act was truly like kind of like took a piece of them away. Yeah, and and do you think the Lebanese people's dependence on like you said WhatsApp and what was the other app? Viber and Viber. Do you think their dependence on this has been? beneficial or, or has been detrimental i think it's uh, been definitional be beneficial because you know some of the lebanese relatives most of them they either they live outside of lebanon or, or particularly in the u.s mm-hmm. 
So, um, you know, and they want to stay in contact with them. They want to, you know, keep in touch. And if the government is taking away your basic right of communication, I mean, you kind of lose contact with the people that you love the most, which, yeah. Right. And why did you find it so important for you to base uh, your TED Talk on the situation in Lebanon? Because, um, you know, the whole kind of idea of my speech is how to spread uh, communication when going through um, uh, these anti-government protests mm -hmm. and how not just the Lebanese people, but other countries in the world can uh, make a difference, which I mentioned later in my speech. Um, and I also felt it was important to mention the WhatsApp ad because uh, that also took away communication, which was kind of, like I said, like the centerpiece of my, uh, my speech. So, yeah. Right. And how has the TED Club here at Doral kind of made it easy for you to share um, a story that hit so close to home for you? Yeah, so when I first auditioned for TED, I um, I was using a lot of word choice that sound very rebellious, and yeah. very, like, hyperbolic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, Miss Monty noted that, you know, you can't say that. Uh, we don't want to sound rebellious. We want to sound as much as TED-like, as she right. says. And um, so through constant meetings with her, and, you know, we kept on refining the speech, and then we came to the final product, and... Uh, it really we really went to the crux of my entire speech and what it really entailed so yeah right and and how much of because most people they just see the final product of the actual speech how much time and effort does it take to really you know give something like this the amount of care and and that it needs yeah i mean it took a lot of time uh like i mentioned uh because you know when i first auditioned the speech had a lot of work to do uh i had to consistently meet with Monty and refine the speech. And when I was at home, I had to do more research. I had to create the slides, uh, the presentation. And, uh, you know, it was it was very crucial. It was long and tedious, but like you mentioned, the final product is, in my opinion, I think it's really Yeah, and, and you mentioned research. And what is something that, um, how has your perspective changed throughout the process of writing the speech through the research that you did? Oh, it changed a lot. Um, you know, when I came uh, to the United States at age 12, you know, I thought I, I miss Lebanon, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've always heard these stories about how good of a country it is, how how much of how much of a big history and a rich history it has. Right. But uh, when I did the TED Talk and I started researching some of the things the government did, it really I was really like taken aback by it mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, my God. I mean, this is the country where I thought, you know, it was the most beautiful one in the world. But then. I read these things that the government did to the people, and then I was like, "Is it really the best country in the world?" Yeah, and and why did you why do you think that a, a TED talk was the best way for you to to share this story? Right. So, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the uh, protests intensified throughout mid twenty nineteen, mm -hmm. and that's when Miss Monty uh, approached the AP Land class, and they was like, "Hey, uh, we have this TED club. You know, if you have an idea, experience, whatever, talk about it, and then we'll help you." And so I found it as a perfect opportunity to not only talk about my country, which is something I'm obviously passionate about, yeah. but also combine my public speaking skills and how uh, I can improve them. And and you've been mentioning Lebanon and, and your country a lot. Do you feel like you miss it at all? Is it something that after the speech you've kind of been like, yeah, I miss it, but, you know, kind of stay over there and, you know, I'll stay over here? Or is it yeah. something that you consistently miss? Yeah, obviously, when I came here, uh, I used to think about it all the time. You know, I had a great education there. I had great friends over there. I love the environment, right? But uh, I was a kid, so I didn't understand what the country was going through, what my family was going through. So I thought, to, so as I grew up, now obviously 15, I understand that, uh, granted, I had some great memories back in Lebanon, but, you know, for my life, for my success, mm -hmm. United States is a better place. And, and was WhatsApp and 
something that you use to kind of, you know, get in touch with Lebanon and, you know, kind of ease that transition to a new country? Or was it just something that you know that everybody else uses and, you know, you just kind of use his own thing? No, um, I stayed in touch with my relatives and my friends who also use WhatsApp a lot. Mm -hmm. So obviously when the tax hit them, you know, um, this kind of like really breached the communication between us. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, so it's it's something that's like, it's directly not only affected the people in Lebanon, but it's also affected you because yeah, of that. Sure. Right, and how much of a cultural shock is it coming from Lebanon to the United States? Uh, it's been different, you know, uh, with, you know, whether it's from sports, whether it's different ideals. Um, it's definitely been a transition, but I know it's for the better and, uh, yeah. Right, and to kind of wrap up here, I'm going to ask you something that we ask pretty much every guest and it kind of has nothing to do with with the speech in general, but um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And where do you kind of see the situation in Lebanon and the situation with communication in 10 years in Lebanon? Yeah, so uh, in 10 years, I see myself as a lawyer working in a corporate uh, right. law firm. Uh, and in terms of Lebanon, um, you know, if the people can finally elect a person that truly wants the best for the people, I think that will, um, you know, the country will be in better hands. But if that's not the case, you know, we're going to go into the, this continuous cycle of corruption, which is never ending at this point. So, you know, hopefully if they pick the right person to do the job right, um, it, it can be in good hands. And, and to kind of, I want to build off that real quick. Do you think it, because you see this pretty much in, in a lot of countries, this social unrest. Do you think that ultimately change lies in the hands of, you know, it must be the people that pick someone? Or do you think there has to be some type of like, outside interference that has to be like okay like we have to find someone or do you think it should just be it should just fall on the country to figure it out yeah um i think it also depends on how important that country is mm -hmm. you know lebanon it's quite an irrelevant country i'm gonna be honest you know when i told people i was from lebanon they didn't know what it was right uh so yeah when when you're talking about like a small irrelevant country i think it's up for the people to really kind of create the change however if you're talking about like a big country which is you know proven to be in, you know, major kind of ties, mm -hmm. right, with other countries, uh, yeah, maybe that's when other countries should interfere because, you know, it might affect that other country's yeah. like, uh, economic or financial. And and do you think it's possible for the people of Lebanon to, to be able to dig themselves out of this hole or do you think it's it's kind of like a, a said and done? Uh, no, I think they can uh, dig themselves out of this hole. I mean, uh, there was this. They really were so invited into this protest that they even like created kind of like DJ parties just mm -hmm. so that people don't like sleep and don't like go back to their homes. So they're really invested in it. They are continuing to create change. Many schools have been permanently closed down just because of the protest, mm -hmm. because you know obviously the students can't focus or whatever. So I think um, I think the Lebanese people do can dig themselves out of this hole. They just need to be persistent. What they're and doing. and what effects has have the the protests had so far? Because I know in your speech you mentioned that there's been some political changes happening since the start of the of the protest. So if you could kind of uh, expand on that. Yeah. So in my speech, I talk about some of the things that the government implemented on the Lebanese people. Mm -hmm. During the protests, uh, you know, I mentioned how uh, the lack of uh, waste management in the country, how it, ha how it has caused massive health effects. Mm -hmm. um, I also talk about the education system and how has how that has stripped uh, some Syrian refugees mm -hmm. from their ability to educate themselves. I talk about women's rights and how they still haven't found themselves, you know, truly uh, empowered. Yeah. Just things like that. Yeah. 
So usually we, we wrap up with the 10 year question, but we already hit that one. Yeah. Anthony, thank you for coming on. You if you guys me. are interested in attending the TED event that is this Friday, um, I recommend everyone does. It's a great event. Um, very intellectual. Uh, Anthony's going to be there giving his speech with many others with very interesting perspectives. This has been episode nine of The Nest. Anthony, again, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode.